Hi, I'm Mark Jackson II, and you're listening to Awakening Nation with Brad Zala. A huge shift is taking place on planet Earth. People seem to be waking up. Tired of the way things used to be, they are creating something brand new and changing the world we live in. My name is Brad Zalas, and I get to sit down with the next generation of idea makers, the disruptors, and the game changers. Everyday people, just like you and me, from all over, who are doing amazing things. Welcome to Awakened Nation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Awakened Nation. Once again, this is Brad Zalas. My guest that I'm having on today is a super surprise guest. <laughs> we met, uh, Mark, when did we meet? Like five years ago, seven years oh, ago? Yeah, definitely. It's, it, was, it, was, it was about, it's, it's been a while, man. It's been a wonderful uh, relationship, for sure. Thanks, brother. Um, you know, uh, I actually met you through Dave Phillips and uh, Jeff Ducharme. And it was very funny. I was uh, keynoting at the Freedom Founders event run by Dave. And um, you and your dad were just like, uh, it was hysterical. I'm saying stuff from the stage talking about millennials. And you and your dad just look at each other like your, your heads just would turn on everything I would say. And you'd start going, oh, my goodness, that's true. Yeah, um, was and that was a lot of fun meeting you that way. And it was great because we were both sides of the conversation at once. You know, on one hand, you were talking about the baby boomers. On the other hand, you were talking about millennials. And so every one of your points was like I was embodying the new millennial part you were speaking of. And you, he was embodying the, the baby boomer side. And so as you would say something, I would look at him as if, is that true? And then he would look <laughs> at me as, is that true? And so we were having like <laughs> real life in the moment revelations as you were you know, kind of giving us deeper insights in, into each other. Yeah, it was exciting and it was a lot of fun. And I'm excited to have you on, uh, not just as a millennial, but um, the work you're doing in the financial uh, education space. So uh, let's kick, kick things off. I'm going to read your bio. Uh, and by the way, for those of you who know me, uh, I put together the fourth book in the Journeys to Success uh, series, and I did the millennial edition. And Mark, your story stood out the most, so we're gonna we're gonna really talk about this uh, as soon as I'm done with this bio, because uh, it's also impressive. And we're gonna talk about your sons, those uh, young Jedi's in training, <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. a little bit. So, uh, Mark Sweeney Jackson II is a financial mentor, motivational speaker, student teacher, and professional real estate investor. Jackson is a highly decorated Air Force veteran. His knowledge and experience has taken him all over the globe, including residing in Tokyo, Japan. By the way, thank you for your service. I appreciate our, our troops and our men in uniform and women in uniform. In addition to spending five years enlisted in the United States Air Force, Jackson continued his government career and service to his country with the U.S. Department of Defense for seven years. During this period, Jackson reinterested himself in real estate while completing his bachelor's degree in two years. Do you hear that, folks? Two years. That's a hustle, man. Anyways, through his company, Sweeney & Sons Consulting, LLC, he's authored several best-selling books and hosts financial workshops. His book, Read Me or Stay Broke, is changing lives and opening the eyes of people all over the world to the secrets of wealth building. He has been involved in a variety of real estate transactions totaling millions of dollars as he oversees all acquisitions for potential and current investments at M&C Real Estate LLC. He has also served as a financial consultant to many private companies, including Manico, 
International Public Relations, as a proud father of two sons and serves as financial advisor and treasurer at the Christ Experience Church in Oklahoma City. A passionate volunteer, Mark is a well-known YMCA basketball and baseball coach. Mark Jackson is now at the cusp of his career. His keen mind and big heart have already solidified him as a source of inspiration to thousands. Welcome to the show, Mark. I really, I'm jazzed to have you on, man. It's a pleasure to be on. It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you for having me. Good, good. So let's let's go back to uh, one of the things that impressed me the most was um, you're a student of Napoleon Hill, and sure. you had one of these evenings in Epiphany. You got paint the picture for our audience. You got out of the Air Force. And you got hit into a financial bind, which a lot of people do. But you woke up a little differently than most people. Uh, let's talk about that. Yeah, um, I, I got out the Air Force and that support system fell out from underneath me. You know, um, when you're in the military, you have your clothing paid for, housing paid for, steady income for however long your contract is. Well, when I got out the Air Force, that all went away. And um, I just remember one night I was getting gas with my sons. They were in the car with me, and I went to pump the gas, and uh, I looked at my account balance, and I had a significant, let's just say significantly less than I thought I was going to have. It was supposed to be payday, and actually a lot of bills came out that had, you know, we've all been there. You're pushing some things back. You, you know, you're doing some uh, financial jujitsu, you know, <laughs> and so I only had uh, $140 in my account, and there was going to be two more weeks till I got paid. And so I knew that if I left the money in there, I was going to overdraft anyways, you know, on a, on a light bill or something like that. So what I did was I pumped $40 into my gas tank. I know it takes about two days for that to register. And I went into the uh, gas station and I intentionally uh, overdrafted myself. So I figured at least I'd have the $140 cash in my hand spread over two weeks instead of just losing it and then being completely flat broke, you know. And that was just really like one of those moments where it was like, something has to change here. I can't keep complaining about, you know, I, the thing, the thing was a raise wasn't going to change that situation fast enough. Um, complaining about it, you know, borrowing money, nothing was going to change that situation. It needed to be a permanent change that I realized needed to take place. And so I just, um, as I, as I, as I talk about endurance and success, you know, I had a burning desire in that moment, that spark, that fire was created to have a burning desire to change, uh, forever. Yeah my financial circumstances would you say as a man and, and a lot of men are listening to the show uh and women too uh, th this happens to women as well but wouldn't you say as a man th the natural instinct was to get angry at yourself so angry that you said i've got to change my ways i got to learn this thing called financial uh, education or financial security yeah i mean i would definitely say that that's what happens but i i, I got mad first at the circumstance then I got mad at myself you know what I mean you did first you get mad at I want this to end I want it to stop I want it to change and then you get mad at yourself and you're like why is it like this you know what did what did I do you start to blame yourself you know and I think to be honest though one of my greatest discoveries in financial education and one of the things that I teach my students consistently is that even though you feel like it is it's not your fault. The lack of financial education that we have in our lives is truly the cause of our situation. So we, we find ourselves a lot blaming ourselves for something that we're doing, but not really causing, if that makes sense, you know? Right. 
Well, our public school system does a really horrible job at educating us on money uh, and the things we actually need. We should have a class on life uh, because mathematics, yeah, we need that because that creates the convolutions in our brains and makes us think logically. But we also need a class on how do you pay your taxes? How do you vote? How do you uh, find your pathway to success and how do you you know, educate yourself on financial matters. And Robert Kiyosaki has done a wonderful job in educating people in his Rich Dad, Poor Dad series, uh, where he basically says this, middle-class people focus on middle-class things. Poor people focus on poor things. And the rich and the wealthy, they think and operate in a very different way. So it, I agree with you, it's not your fault. It's your fault if you want to wallow in it for an entire lifetime. That's where it's your fault. You uh, hit a wall. And, and you know what I think is probably one of the greatest motivators? And you can tell me I'm wrong, Brad. Um, <laughs> um, you, could, you could say this, um, but I think your sons were the biggest motivator for you. Yes, I was, that's 100% correct. Um, my sons were definitely the biggest motivator for me. And I want to I want to say you're right um, when it comes to Robert Kiyosaki and uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. That was for for many of us. That was our first eye-opening experience to um, what we could what, how the wealthy how wealthy people think. But I think the more important thing that he actually touches on is the fact that you don't know what you don't know. So when you read that book, it actually shows you what the wealthy are thinking prior to that. You didn't have the ability to do it. You see what I'm saying? Right. So when you're saying that schools do a bad job of teaching us, you're absolutely correct because they don't teach us at all, right? They teach yep. us how to, to to learn biology, science, you know, and, and all these things. And it's awesome that they're trying to give you such a wide base of knowledge that you're able to continue down whatever path naturally inclines you, right? I'll become right. a doctor. I'll become a mathematician. I'll become so I have these, I have all these lanes and knowledge base to go down. But here's the one thing I'm never taught is a thing you're for certain that I'm going to become, which is right. I'm going to become an adult. So, you know, as you're teaching me these things that I might do, you never teach me the thing that you know I'm going to need to be able to know how to do, which is to be a financially successful adult. Yeah. Isn't that weird? They, they, George Carlin said that all they want are, are compliant taxpayers who can pull the levers and, and do the work. And that's really what public school teaches you to do. And well, why wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, it's, it's because it's funded, so it it's, needs more taxpayers later to fund it again. You know what yeah. I mean? So you're getting the wrong information to make sure that you don't get where you need to go. So you will be reliant on government later in life. And by the way, we're not knocking government. It's just that they can't teach what they don't know. And so... I, I never fit into the mold. You know, I, I actually was bored with school. Never studied, got A's, got B's, yeah. things like that. And I basically was able to turn around at some point um, and realize I'm an entrepreneur. I always knew I was an entrepreneur, but I didn't know that would be the focus of my life. Uh, would be a, a lifetime of, of being an entrepreneur. So with that said, I think you discovered as you left the structure, as you left all this, this stuff, um, you began to realize, I need to do more, something well, different, something else. 
Well, at the time that I, uh, well, first of all, um, being on, uh, being a part of like Awakened Nation, right? It, it puts you in an environment and a mindset where these ideas can begin to grow and take shape and you're reinforced in your belief of being an entrepreneur. I say that to say because that's what happened to me. I was still working my job for the Department of Defense when I had the incident that made me want to um, become an entrepreneur. I still had a job. You know, I went from the Air Force to working for the DOD, but I, at the same time, I was traveling to things like um, Freedom Founders where I met you. Right. right. And so when you meet, when you're meeting those people and you're in those environments and you're seeing people who are doing entrepreneurial things or they're following their dream or they're taking that leap and taking that step and the whole meeting and the environment and the atmosphere is about continuing to push and the information you need so you start to learn the things you didn't right. know. A lot of times we doubt ourselves, not realizing that we're doubting ourselves based on our current skill level and realizing that you're supposed to be doubting yourself right now. You don't have what it takes right now but you will get it if you persist down the path, if you take the step, if you move entrepreneurially you you acquire it you know and so that's what I began to discover that's really what gave me not just I had the spark but what gave me the belief was the continual reinforcement fanning the flames if you say um, of being around people like yourself right and ladies and gentlemen if you're listening I want you to understand Mark did what every American does they come out of an institution or a job or whatever and certain things were taken care of automatically. Uh, and being in the Air Force, being in the military, I know this well because I have a military family. My, uh, my great uncles, uh, two of them served in World War II, and uh, I have uh, more immediate uncles that uh, you know, were in the Marine Corps and things like that. So when they got out, they got a job at Fort Letter Letterkenny down in, uh, outside of Carlisle and Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. So they were set for life after they left the, the military. But if you're having your food, your clothing, and your rent taken care of, and suddenly get out, you may not even have those things on your radar. And it happens. I mean, it happens to a lot of people. But you had the wherewithal to get up and kind of f try to figure it out by listening to mentors and other people. And uh, when I met you at Freedom Founders, that's a room full of investors who were doctors and chiropractors and dentists. And these are people who went to college, started their practice, and realized, although they're making, you know, their practice is doing $4 million a year, they are broke at the end of it. Yeah. So how does that happen? You know, it's cost, it's labor, it's taxes, it's all these things. So they got together, some of the smartest people in the world got together and said, hey, we need to start an investment group, a group that educates each other and has vehicles that help us. And that's how I met Mark and his father. They were hanging out, and I met a lot of other people um, but, there uh, who are lifelong friends now. Yeah, go ahead. I want to say something though, that that's that's important to what you speak about too about um, the spirituality and the and the, and 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 intuition and uh, and energies, right? Right. Something said to me after you talked because the way it happened was you were having um, you were doing your speech and you said something and I made a comment. And it just so happened that I really, I think at the time, I used to be the only younger person that used to go to the meeting. So I used to go with my dad. I was working with him in the business. And I was like really the only, so you started calling me the millennial man during the middle of your speech. And so we had like a little connection during your speech. And so after, 
I came to you and I just was like, you know, thank you. It was great meeting you. And you're like, yeah, you know, we talked, we talked about Photoshop for a second and how good you were. And so we bonded for a minute, but I could have easily not come and spoken to you after you being the speaker. You're not, we're conditioned to see the person at the front of the room, but your style, your delivery, the comfort level you put in me, but also listening to that little voice that was like, there's something more there. Talk to him, go say something right. else to him. We, it's important to follow that on your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, I, I want to make that clear. So that has served wow. me uh, several times. You know, you brought up something uh, that is that, so you. Intuition, man. It really is. I mean, I, I intuition has served me well. And anybody who Googles you or me or anybody, you'll see our career there in black and white, you know, out there on the, in the internet. And it's really a career of following your gut. Yes, sir. Now that doesn't mean we got it perfect the first couple of times. No. We had to actually work hard to trust our intuition. So we didn't zig and we didn't zag. And, and there's a lot of people out there, Mark, you can, you can talk about this. They approach finances and entrepreneurship and all this from a purely logical left brain position. And that is dangerous. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because, you know, I, I think your career has been exemplary simply because you listened, you got the right mentors, and your intuition, your gut uh, helped you on this path. Yeah. Um, the, the thing about, you know, a lot of the financial matters is, you know, it's attached to a fear of, of loss and loss of future opportunity. So you, you approach it so left brain because you're always scared that a mistake is going to cost you so much or set you back. You know what I mean? But right. the whole, but, but, but the whole idea is that in order to want to be wealthy, in order to want to make more money, in order to want to be financially secure, you really actually have to listen to your heart. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're, you're inspired. You want more. Your body, your mind, your, your spirit wants to go places, do things, have things, right? And those experiences right. cost money. So, so really the, the best way to really you know, chase your dreams or become wealthy or, or financial freedom is really not trying to think, you know, uh, Wall Street, you know, ticker, NASDAQ, all this like specifics, you know, um, certain dollar amounts. Is just to look at for what experiences or what your heart is calling out for and then work toward that financially, and you'll find out that you, you continue to become wealthy that way faster than some kind of balance sheet comparison to other people, you know, trying to compare pockets. Right. Well, I was intrigued by your book, uh, Read Me or Stay Broke, because, you know, some people try to come up with this amazing title, and your title just nails it right between the eyes. It's, uh, and what's the subtitle on the book, um, the story of discovery that awakens your financial genius. The story of discovery that awakens your financial genius. I love that. What are some of the principles that you talk about in the book? And, and by the way, pick up a copy because I love the way it's written. It centers around a father-son experience or lack of father, uh, a watch. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's the cover. I love it. Um, it's, it's almost like it's in parable form and the right people come along to educate the characters in the story. So what are, just lay down maybe three principles that, uh, are counterintuitive that maybe our listeners can go, Ooh, I got to try that. Okay. So the first one is you don't know what you don't know. It's, it's, it's my favorite because 
it, it helps you realize that there are things that you are unaware of that you are not doing that only through continual education or by reading Read Me or Stay Broke or taking financial courses and going down the path of trying to be wealthy that you then discover. Just like you were talking about with Robert Kiyosaki and Rich Dad Poor Dad, you have to find out what it is that you didn't know you're not doing that wealthy or people who are rich are doing besides just having a better job and education in you that right. really creates the, the difference in your behavior. Wow. Well, it, it is kind of interesting because uh, most people who claim are, are on the list of poverty in this country, uh, they all have three televisions in the home. Uh, that, <laughs> and, that's and a, no library. Yeah, and no library. And that's a statistical fact. Uh, I look at, you know, I'm a big movie buff and I look at some of the DVDs I've wasted money on and I realize um, I just did that because, hey, that's what I was taught. That was fun, you know, and now I realize it was such a waste because now you can just download the darn thing yeah. <laughs> or you can rent it for five bucks. So, uh, you know, it's, it's beyond budget. It's, it's into this realm of, because I know people who are really good at budgeting and they're still just one paycheck away from whatever. This is really about admitting you don't know what you don't know, but at the same time saying, I'm good with finances. Because if you don't tell yourself that, you're never going to make the leap. You're going to sit there and go, I suck with money all the time. You don't want to say that. You want to admit what you don't know and well, educate I mean, yourself. Like, um, for instance, uh, I, read, I read a book one time and it was talking about, you know, uh, actually, Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. And wow. he was talking about when you see a baby and a baby tries to walk. When the baby falls, you don't label that baby for life a faller, right? The right. baby has to learn how to walk over time. And he also says, say, for instance, you sat down at a piano and you never know how to play piano. If someone asks you, do you know how to play piano? You'll say no. The answer really is, I haven't tried, Right. right. And so it's the same thing with money. We think that we're just bad with money, like we were supposed to know how to do that, like it comes from walking. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. You know what I mean? The people around you have credit. They have loans. They have, you know, we all have invisibility. If you look around, we all have some money. But if you look at everyone, you don't know exactly how much everyone else has because there are loans, co-signers. There's an ability to make payments, right? So we have this thing where we look at stuff and we think that for some reason, Whoever has whatever they have, man, they must have paid with that in cash and still have some left over. It's, it's, a, it's a way of looking at um, things and people other than ourselves that create a false perception of the difference between us and them. The only difference between us and people who are actually rich, not people who are looking like they're rich, is that they just do different stuff with their money. They spend just like you. Once we have money, we all spend. The only difference is what we spend our money on. Do you spend it on things that will make you more money or do you spend it on things? When you right. spend it on things, you get the thing, you lose the money. When you spend it on things that make more money, a business, real estate, some, uh, some, some, some stocks, you know, you get your money invested, you get money back off the asset, and then you have money again to buy something that makes you money. This is, this is the difference, you know what I mean? But if you don't know the qualifications to be able to buy those things, if you're not even qualified, low debt, high credit, good amount of savings to do that, then you can't begin to start doing the different things. And that's really the subtle but only difference, man. 
Well, this is the key word, investment. What does an investment mean for a middle-class person? And what does an investment mean for a wealthy or rich person? And uh, by the way, I don't judge the, you know, those titles. Uh, I love the fact that we live in the United States and you can make some real money. And you should. You should, you should honor the capitalist system, which is the result of freedom and sovereignty. But that word investment, now, if I say investment to the average listener, they're thinking, oh, I got to put my money into a 401k plan or a mutual mm -hmm. fund, yeah. or I have to buy some stocks and bonds, and I have to, I have to put it in Wall Street. That's, that's all they know. They don't even know anything about precious metals or you know, whatever you may have been taught about investing. But a wealthy person, a rich person, the way they start out is they look usually for real estate because real estate is the quickest thing to see that return on a monthly basis. So for yeah. me, I always wanted to own uh, three or four small studio apartments in New York City. That was my original goal. And the reason I wanted to do this is I actually had the cash to do it uh, after I left my company uh, that I had taken public. So the goal was buy in cash small apartments, condos, co-ops, and then use them as investments. Now, if you know Manhattan, New York City, you can get $2,000 a month in rent from each of these apartments. So three to four of these would have generated between six and $8,000 a month in uh, cash flow for me. And then I could have used that money to invest in other things. So this is how people who are accumulating wealth and who are smart with money, this is what they do. And Mark is at the forefront of teaching this. So let's go ahead. Uh, what's the second thing that our listeners should know about? So the second thing is you want to change your tax bracket. You don't want to be someone who gets excited about your tax return because that means I'm giving you some back of what I took too much of you during the year. And a lot of people don't understand that because we're conditioned no. to think that tax returns like a jackpot during the year and we never realize or never have, or never taught one how much it costs to start a small business which in most cases is 100 to 125 dollars just to get your LLC and begin to earn taxes, right. pay taxes at a business rate, you know, instead right. of paying as an employee rate. And that's also what creates the difference between, you know, some people who, like you say, are against capitalism and people who are for government control. When you think that the government is actually helping you by giving you a tax return every year and you've only ever been an employee and you never see yourself as a person who qualifies. When you don't know what you don't know, you can't even begin to think, I'll start a business because you think it's out of your range. Most of the time when I ask people how much it costs to start a business, they say $10,000. So if you, <laughs> in your mind, have a misperception that is $10,000 to start a business, then you never will do it. You'll never be able to change your tax bracket to paying expenses after taxes right. in a business, paying a lower percentage rate than an employee, and all you'll do all year long is pay over the amount of taxes you're supposed to pay, and then once a year, the government will say, well, I guess you can have this much back, and you, and you never even know if it's the accurate amount back. Yeah. A lot of people have this thought in their head, and I don't know where they get this from, but this country was originally founded on small government staying out of your life because they were getting away from monarchies that you know controlled everything uh and all of a sudden we became like there are our benevolent overlords and we're supposed to give and be happy that they give us a stipend back and we live in the greatest country in the world ladies and gentlemen where you can 
if you wish, step out of all these codes and regulations because you, and legally, I'm not talking about anything that's illegal. You just shift over from being somebody who generates employees, which the government loves. They tax employees. That's where our revenue comes from to now being somebody who's a job creator. And our government works in partnership with the job creators. If you haven't figured that out yet, companies, corporations, small business, they're the backbone of America and they partner with the United States government to provide people with employment opportunities and a way of creating revenue and living the good life if they want. So this is not a negative conversation. It's just asking you, if you have a J-O-B right now, what can you do, what can you learn, and where can you study to step out of that tax bracket into a new category? A lot of people who are employees right now don't even know they can write off a certain percentage of their income right now as investment in the education of learning this stuff. And I always say use your earned income or your job income as your startup capital. Yes. You know, that's what, you, yeah, you, you, you can work your job. No one, that's, I think that was one of the weirdest things at first was trying to tell people when I was discovering the entrepreneurial bug inside of myself and the things I wanted to do outside of my job that I would talk about it and they would look at me like something was wrong with me. Like, why don't you want this ease and comfort of just having to only come here and just do a couple of things and then get your paycheck? Well, then I would talk about employment, you know, in a bad way and it would only make them go away from me, you know? So I had right. to learn how to start speaking um, actually from what I was actually doing. I had to realize what I was actually doing was working my job while creating my business, you know? And so that's yeah. what people have to um, realize, you know? You can yeah. you can do both. Take you can take that step. You know, I yeah. I don't want anybody to think we're knocking a, a job because I've had many jobs. You know, I've done everything from dig ditches and clean toilets uh, to being a stand-up comedian and working nights and uh, you know being a waiter, uh, driving auto parts truck. I've had all the the crappy jobs you can imagine and loved every moment of it because I was getting paid. I was getting paid, so I guess, um, but the thing that I, I love about what you're talking about is everybody in this day and age, if you're working at a, at a company or something, you almost have to have a secondary stream of income outside of what you and your wife are doing. It's not like it was in the 70s when if you worked a little bit harder than the guy next to you, you could have bought a Corvette. We don't live in a world like that anymore. Most cars, uh, good cars, are out of reach to the average American, so they're getting these little cars, and they're great, and they have a monthly loan. But the thing is, is you need to create multiple streams of income and create a vision of your future to be able to know that you can leave the job someday. Well, the reason, have this. The reason, the, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Uh, I love this conversation. Yeah, all I was going to say was the reason why was I remember reading a book. I think it was The Millionaire Next Door. And in that book, the guys who are the IRS agents, I think, who, are, who wrote that book, they laugh about the high income earner. You know, that's what, that's what they say they try to aim every citizen to become is a high income earner. And it speaks back to you about you were talking about government. The, the small government at first was what existed, but the larger government came about when I feel like people started to realize that by being a government employee or a career politician, it was almost like a free ride. You have people right now who've been a politician their whole life. They've never produced anything, but they get to live off of taxpayer income, you know? Right. And so what they want is they want you to 
ha- like you're talking about in public school, they don't teach financial education. The reason why I believe that is, is because if you don't get taught financial education, you trip over your own feet and it makes you a lifelong taxpayer in the employee bracket instead of the business owning bracket. And what I mean by that is you go to school, you then get your student loan. Now that you have your loan, it's a federal student loan in most cases. So now you owe the government right away. Now I go to school, I get out of school, I get my car, I get my house, I get all these things. And what I do is I sign on all of these debt contracts that the job I'm going to have for the next 30 years or 15 years or however much, the income I'm going to earn, right? I'm signing over future income. I'm signing over 35000 a car, yeah. 150000 a house. I already got my student loan on my back. So what does this do? This makes me have to keep working. And that's where people feel they're stuck at. I have to keep working because I have all this on my back. And as long as you have to keep working, I always get a piece of those income taxes. Right. I remember uh, these young millennials who used to live next door to me on Long Island. And I would scratch my head because I knew the wife wasn't working because she was having children. And the husband was a young guy who specialized in building uh, hospitals that uh, had to have specialty HVAC and air ducts and things like that. He was really, really good at that. They bought a house next to us and this was a high income neighborhood. So I I scratched my head and I thought, how in the heck did they afford that house? Because even at the height of whatever, he might've been making $150,000 a year and probably half of that was being taken out in taxes. So, and he was commuting from Long Island. He wasn't driving in. I realized what it was. His there were two things that took place over the last uh, 25 years very quietly. And that was this, a lot of baby boomers couldn't afford to retire and they have to work till the day they die. So they took what little lump sum they had left and they gave it to their millennial children to be able to buy a home. And at the same time, the banks very quietly lowered how much money you had, you could put down to get a house and spread out the payments over a 30-year mortgage. Um, They would love for us to be like Japan where you pass on your mortgage to the next of kin and you have a 60, 70-year mortgage um, because the cost of living in Tokyo and Japan uh, and and other places in Japan uh, is so expensive. The banks figured out how to get debt out of people for the long haul. But here's the difference. Let's go back to this. The difference between middle class and rich is middle class a lot of times is trying to keep up with looking like they have money yes, sir. Whereas, whereas the rich don't spend money unless they have the cash flow to be able to purchase whatever they wish yes, uh, on a monthly basis so that's the big shift and everybody listening you got to learn this until it becomes a habit uh, well that really brings me to my third the third thing you're going to ask me and the third thing to take away from the book is to get qualified. So, you know, we say we, you don't know what you don't know. So that's to seek learning, deliberate self-improvement. We talked about changing your tax brackets. So you have to view that you don't want to be somebody who's overpaying in taxes. You want to figure out how to be a business owner, real estate owner, asset having person who pays minimal taxes but gets passive income from their investments. Yeah. And the last thing, the third principle to take away is to get qualified in order to be able to do the, the things we were just talking about to lower your taxes, you have to get qualified. You need to be having low debt, high credit, not high credit balances. I'm talking about high credit score. Understand the three credit unions. Understand the factors that go into your credit, that go that that, that bring it up, that bring it down. You want to be managing that thing deliberately, yep. man. 
so that you can borrow strategically. You know, and you want to have low debt so that you don't owe anyone. Your cash flow, your income's not going to somebody else automatically. And then you want to be able to have some kind of nice savings. That's how you get qualified right. to become an asset owner. Yeah, it's very interesting. I wish I had taken better care of my credit, but at the same time, I know how to jump my credit up really quickly now because I've studied the rules and I've actually been able to get some things wiped off my credit report very easily by learning the tools of the trade, which is writing the letters, watching your 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 three credit reports, pushing that forward, getting more one more credit card, not you know filling it all the way up to the top, but managing it properly, paying it, getting it ready. And you can do that in one year if you're smart, yeah, if you handle it properly. It's, it's just, like I said, man, it's, 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 you, we don't know what we don't know. So you can't do, you can't execute something. And, and the worst part of not knowing what you're ignorant about, your unconscious incompetence, is that you cannot look for it, right? When yeah. you're unaware that you're missing something, you don't know that you should be seeking it. And that's why I read yeah. me stay broke. There's a lot of G whiz. Like I, in read me stay broke, I try to make sure I put the real action steps, the real information that you need to be able to act upon. Not just you know, as I what inspired me to write read me stay broke is I had read so many financial books because I tried to teach myself all the things I'm telling you. And what I noticed, even in read me, even in even in rich dad poor dad, was there was a lot of this is what I did when I was younger and what I do now. And I'm going to sprinkle you some of my little crumbs so that you can know a little bit of what I've learned. And if you can manage to do some of it, then maybe one day you'll be like me. You know, and I, I just feel like, you know, and I, I feel like, I feel like the reason and that, that is, that's how every one of them is. It's, it's like, here's my infinite wisdom on the topic, but it's really fluffy. It's not specific, you know? And so I think that I was um, destined to be poor until I was 25, 26 have to learn these things after having um, both types of employment, a private job and a military job, to understand physically that they weren't the way to get wealthy, right? Yeah. I had been taken care of by the, by the military. I had a government job, which some people consider the most secure, and neither one of them had made me financially secure. So I was forced to do financial education of myself. So I read hundreds of books on financial education to the point where I realized, okay, this is what I need to do, but why, all, why isn't all of this in one single path specifically with the plan that can be can be applied and right. then that made me write read me or stay broke almost every financial book is on a one specific topic you're not going to find one that's debt credit real estate business investing stocks all in one book but that's what i yeah. felt like needed to be done because i wanted to write the book i wish i could have read it's a great book by the way and ladies and gentlemen please pick it up it's read me or stay broke the story of discovery that awakens your financial genius by Mark Jackson the second. How do we get a hold of you, Mark? Well, you can reach me. Um, I, I like social media nowadays. So Mark Sweeney Jackson on Facebook, uh, Mark S Jackson II on uh, on Instagram for the second. Um, I like to connect, you know, via social media. Um, well, you're a millennial. You're a millennial. Yes, you, know, you like that. You can talk, you can chat on LinkedIn as well. You know, I'm on LinkedIn, but I use my real name. You know, just all you got to do is reach out to me. Um, yeah. And I'm all about meeting new people, connecting with new people, sharing ideas. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful world out here with this amount of connection. I, I love what you're doing. And when you were in Las Vegas, you hung out with me and my nephew. We, we had a great time. We got a chance to go to the food yeah. court, hang out, walk around. Um, but what has impressed me the most, and 
a lot of people from all walks of life are reading your book, but the one thing that has been blowing my mind, and I love this, and that is uh, you are a leader in this space, uh, and you're speaking at, at uh, black leaders' conferences. Um, you know, as a young African-American millennial, this is, it's time. You know what I mean? It, it's right. like it's time has come. And I, I work with a buddy of mine, Achilles Larea. He's Latino. And we're all mesmerized now. Here's this generational shift. The Latinos in this country are now in that second and third generation of having money. So they're ready to invest. They're ready to, ready to listen. And there's no other Latinos except Achilles talking about this stuff on Fox News and on Mornings with Maria and Kabuto and all these guys. And for, you know, as a, as a young black man in this space, this is what has mesmerized me. We're finally at this place where financial security is capable, but the news and the media and all these places is telling us the opposite story. And they never really list. Here's one of my favorite shows, The Men Who Build America. I don't know if you watch this show. Yeah, my mom has watched it. Yeah, but it blows my mind. It's like, you know, there were a lot of black billionaires at that time who also helped build America. And one of the things I always crack up about is like, well, where were their wives? Because these guys also had wives that were pretty sharp too. They make yeah. it sound like they were just Superman who stood up and threw yeah. gumption. These people had people killed. Do you not get that, folks? <laughs> so I want you to talk a little bit about that because you spoke at a leadership conference here and I was just yes, blown sir. away. If I had been doing that at your age, I would just be like, I, I mean, it's got to be a great feeling. Um, it, was, it, was a, it was an even deeper feeling because, um, like I said, I tried to write the book I wish I could have read. And so right. the reason why I was invited to speak at the 100 Black Men of America, um, which is a national organization, that their, um, their motto is what they see is what they'll be. So they try to inspire you know, young African-American yeah. youth to rise and to be, um, and, and, it's, and it's put on by a lot of um, highly successful CEOs, you know, business-owning, lawyer, doctor, you know, African-Americans in the community that want their children to see a better mentality. Well, yeah. they saw Read Me or Stay Broke, and they bought over, they bought hundreds of copies of Remus They Broke and spread them out through over their whole organization. Wow. And then what they did was they formed a, um, with, a, with a grant from State Farm, they formed a financial literacy competition. And so they all had to read Remus They Broke. Each branch and chapter of the organization around the country had to form a team. And then the team had to try and solve the hypothetical problem using the principles of Remus They Broke. So when I got to Las Vegas, they actually had three finalists and they all won uh, different levels of scholarship money based on their ability to perform in, st in front of several judges. The solution, the hypothetical solution was a guy who was going to college who wanted to be able to be financially secure and they had to create their own financial advisory firm based off Remus State Broke principles. So I'm standing there getting ready to present and I can hear the judge asking you know, one of the students, you know, in this chapter, the main character talks to this person and the term is used financial discrimination. What is financial discrimination? And then I hear the child reply back with what they understand the definition to be. And so in that moment, man, the essence of the essence of the book was being realized. You know what I mean? But in in in, in so many other youths, you know, like all these hundreds all around the country, these, these children were learning a financial education base that was now going to be able to be shared amongst each other and used in the beginning of their life 
to create a whole new generation who saw it financially differently, man. So it was, that was so uh, deep and passionate and I was so grateful, you know, more so than just being the speaker, but to see the book really actualizing the vision I had, you know, when I used to be just sitting on the couch just trying to make it through the next chapter. Yeah. Well, the vision of what you created is bigger than you. When you start to realize that the next generation is going to use that as a guidebook, you're almost like Napoleon Hill with Think and Grow Rich um, for the black community. Um, yes, sir. I, I love this. I mean, that you, when we met that night you, and you, did, you, you were in town, we were so excited to see you. But the high that you were on from that, you were, I think you, you didn't really understand what the heck had just happened. It was like one of those moments where you have to pinch yourself, like you were an astronaut that went to the moon and came back. A, 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 an entire group across the country is using your book as the educational foundation for the next generation so fathers, sons, daughters, and mothers can learn from this. This mind-blowing, yeah, am I right? You have a, when you have a person come up to you and they say, I want to buy three right now for my two sons that are in college and my daughter who's graduating high school, you're just like, yes, it's... It's, it's 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 doing what it's supposed to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or you have a you have or you have a grown man come to you and he says, "Man, you know, thank you." You know, he's fifty something years old, and he's yeah. like, "Thank you." I was able to clear up my credit uh, these past few months because I read the book that was given to my son. You know, <laughs> by the organization. You know, wow. that's just, and that's and that's why I wanted uh, Read Me or Stay Broke to be hardback. You know, because um, I didn't want it to be able to be destroyed. You know, I, I, when I thought yeah. about legacy. You know, I have been around a lot of people and, um, you know, just for your, you know, for your audience too, and being awakened, right? So right. being awakened, like a lot of people when I was at some of these events and stuff, they had like a idea of legacy that was a building or their name on something or a statue or something like that. But they, so they wanted this kind of like Martin Luther King, Abraham Lincoln-esque legacy, but it seemed like they wanted to be you know, living on past their death, not more so like leaving a contribution, you know? They wanted right. to be heard once they were gone, but it was like they didn't realize that the the accolades and the, the praise that we were giving to these people, they weren't getting to hear it. They had passed on, you know? Right. But, and so what I'm saying was I realized that the reason why we revered these people was not because their name was on stuff. It was not because, you know, of how great their statue was. The reason why we talk about these people with such great, um, appreciation is because we could all collectively agree that something that they did affects us all, you know. Right. And so that's what I wanted Remir Stay Broke to do. I wanted that book to be able to not not be about. That's why I didn't even put myself as the main character, right? The main character, is somebody right. else. It's about me. It's about the knowledge. It's about being able to do something that you didn't think you were going to be able to do because you didn't think who was going to share it. In our society, money is such a competitive thing that that is why. Most people don't get ahead. The next person doesn't want you to do better than them. And then most of the time, they don't know as much as you think they know. So it's double. They're not going to tell you anything because they don't want you to see how ignorant they are. And they don't want to tell you too because if I help you get ahead of me and the way our society is set up, I'm going to have lower self-esteem. Well, the beautiful thing for me was at the time that I wrote the book and the things that I was learning, I didn't feel like I was in competition with anyone. It was for us to share. I was so collectively pissed off for all of us that it was easy for me to write the book and say, here, everybody, let's, let's know this and defy the system. <laughs> I love that. I love that about you because, uh, yeah, I think it is time. Uh, I, gr I grew up in the 60s and 70s. And by the time 
I hit my teen years, Vietnam was over. And I think we were so tired of the race riots. We were so tired of the race being this issue all the time that it seemed to start to go away at the end of the 70s. I mean, it really was astounding to me. And then now we're back to this national discussion that just bugs the hell out of me. You know, I, I've never, um, I, I didn't think it would ever get back to this, you know, discussion. You know and it bugs me. You know what's funny, man, is what I've discovered is in private, it's not like that. It's like that publicly, but if you just look at us right now on this call, yeah, right, we're the we're the we're the odd couple of, of friends, and we're besties, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love but, that. But in a yeah. national conversation, it would yeah. seem like that would be impossible. And what I've learned is that most people, you know, most people on a human level, when we meet, it's not like that. You know, it is true. Yeah, you, you do say. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head because. Um, I don't, I don't talk about this too much. Once a year I do, but uh, I'm the creative director for the United Negro College Fund fundraiser every year wow. for the past eight years. And I have seen extraordinary individuals from the highest, uh, wealthiest levels of the black community. Uh, people who are on TV, people who are really rich. Uh, everybody knows Oprah Winfrey, but a lot of people don't know who Robert F. Smith is, and I've met him. He was a billionaire... Uh, who works with Bill Gates now because he's made so much money. He's like the number two billionaire in America. And the Wall Street Journal actually wrote a piece that's really great. I, I recommend everybody look it up. But uh, who is Robert F. Smith? He started a, a fund too, which uh, is an investment fund. And he also took his wealth and donated over to the Giving Pledge, uh, which is the... Um, the Bill, Gay, Bill and Melinda Gates and Warren Buffett Foundation where the billionaires contribute all their money um, to help the world. And Robert sure. F. Smith did that. Do you think it was in the news? <laughs> you know, that big, wow. that should have been a big deal. But I really, and, and I don't want this to turn political or anything, but I just feel uh, the news has not, the media itself has not done a great job representing the culture uh, and the people who are really working their tails off and doing something extraordinary. They seem to focus on all the negative stuff. You know, it's like yeah. in my own culture, you know, or a race, let's call it that. I don't like to watch Hee Haw because I feel it kind of brings us down a little bit. Yeah. And, and my nephew, who's half, um, he's mixed, he's half black as well. Um, we never watched derogatory programs in the house uh, and he knows we don't do that and we never have and so his choices were always very high level high end um and uh i don't know if you've ever sat with sebastian but man does he know the history of rap music like you wouldn't believe like he he has <laughs> it down um and it's just i feel we're coming into a time where people are now becoming aware of this really bad representation that's been out there as a caricature for so many years and we're demanding better yes sir. you want to talk about that for a minute yeah i mean <clears throat> the the thing about it is <clears throat> if you if, when you look at most things that is the representation you know yeah. um the criminal on the movie uh the athlete the drug dealer the murderer you know so rarely do you see the different portrayal 
of you know of people of, of color or of, of any you know races or you know underserved yeah. communities there's a lot of you know stereotypical roles and because we don't that's why i say on a personal level it's different because when we meet someone it changes our perception because we're like whoa that's completely different than what i thought you know i like to consider myself a stereotype contradiction you know right. like when i meet people they're like whoa i, I, I never had a, a black friend like you or a black guy like you i didn't think <laughs> black guys were like that you know what i'm saying you know like yeah. when I meet when I meet people, you know, they're they're like, oh, I didn't know that you were a military veteran, or that you you know work for the Department of Defense, or that you are an author. Like these are things that I don't associate with, you know, um, a black guy. And you were in the Air Force. I, I thought you'd be in the Army or the Navy. I you know I wouldn't expect you to be in the Air Force. You know, and so it's like, um, what what racism is, man? It is permission to feel important without having done anything. And so I think that's why people hang on to it so hard, man. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Racism gives some people, and and I'm not saying it's just um, white people, because there are other, there are races who feel superior to other races in the minority sector. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. And so racism, as an essence, though, I feel like it just allows you to feel better than somebody without yeah. having to have accomplished anything. And in an in a, in a awakened sense, right? Yeah. An awakened nation sense, that's not where you want your validation to come from. You know what I mean? You yeah. want it to come from your, your, your life accomplishment. You know what I mean? From deliberate self-improvement, from overcoming obstacles. That's how you feel validated. And that's how you don't cling to negativity so hard. When, you're, when your whole identity is wrapped up in being better than somebody else, not being better than yourself the day before, that's when you cling with that anger because I can't let you take my validation away. I can't let you be equal. I can't let you be better. That's why I have to fight. But over here, when it's I've made myself better, there's nothing to hold on to that's artificial. You have clear um, validation. You know what I mean? And I think that's yeah. why I don't get so upset about certain race issues either is because you can hate me as, or you could dislike me as a black man all you want, but if we if we run the resumes, I'm I'm not saying I'm better than you, but but my sheet of accomplishments on on earth speak for themselves, and you and yeah. and no matter what you believe, it's inaccurate. Yeah, I love uh, your perspective on this, and uh, sometimes I get upset because there seems to be a one-sided conversation in America nowadays, and that one-sided conf- uh, conversation it. Uh, is not showing the other side of the conversation. Uh, I have a lot of friends who are of very mixed backgrounds and races, and they're conservative, and they carry guns, and they wear a MAGA hat, and no one's talking to them in the news, and there's millions of them out there of all walks of life, all backgrounds, because it doesn't fit their narrative. Um, I remember when uh, Sebastian went into one of his high school classes and the teacher was shocked, you know, that this young black man <laughs> listened to heavy metal. <laughs> you know, I mean, the teacher was literally shocked. Uh, and, and I was just like, wow, that's funny. We do get pictures in our head of how this is supposed to be or that's supposed to be. Um, even with my ex-wife, Norma and I, we would go places and we never had anybody really be racist uh, to us. Um, but they were always shocked. You know, I would like, I'd like you to introduce you to my wife. And people would be like, where? Where is she? You know, and she's standing right next oh, to yeah. me. Because they would expect to see um, somebody named Kathleen, I guess, with blonde hair and blue eyes. Um, and, and I, you know me, I just don't roll that way. Uh, if you're a good person, you're a good person. If you have love in your heart, you have love in your heart. 
And if you push the boundaries for achievement, I'm going to be right behind you helping you get to that next level because I believe that's what America is. You know, my grandfather being Hungarian coming over here to escape communism, you know, that's, that's what America is about. Uh, coming here, creating opportunity for yourself, building a legacy for your family. That's what everybody wants. It doesn't matter who you are, what your background is, but to believe you're superior to anybody, you're going to get in a wake-up call when you wind up um, at the end of your life on your deathbed because let me that's ask the, great, the great equalizer. But let me ask you this, though. Do you think that, um, that, 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 that superiority can, is, is seen sometimes in the current environment? Like um, if somebody sees um, a MAGA hat on someone, do you think that it, that it doesn't necessarily mean that they dislike the person who came up with the slogan, but that some of the things that are happening to people as a result of the person that came up with the slogan that makes people who see that hat who are in that group um, fearful or fearful of that person. You know what I mean? I think yeah. that's, um, yeah. they feel inferior. And I think some people, even though the person who came up with it doesn't feel that way, no. some people, just like everything else, misrepresent a cause and then try to put superiority with it. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, so it's like a lot of uh, confusion. You know what I mean? I, there's I a lot of confusion. You know, and, and, and marketing is about perception. So there's a lot of people who will see that phrase. I'm not even going to repeat it. But they'll, they'll, they'll see that as racist, whereas mm -hmm. other people feel this is a great country and our melting pot values are what make us great. Uh, mm -hmm. And people have been taught a distorted history. Do you know what the world was like before 1776? Um, I'll lay it out for you, folks. 98% of human advancement, whether it's in thinking, invention, uh, or progress in any way, shape, or form has happened. 98% of it has happened since 1776 because the United States of America stood up and basically went to war with the, our original slave masters, which were the, the royalty, royal families of, of Europe. They're all related, by the way. And any of us who, who are, we're basically survivors of those generations that had to go through the feudal system. And you can argue with me, but if you're arguing with me, chances are you haven't been taught properly. And that's, that's yeah. the thing. Uh, if you want to keep a group of people down, teach them a lie. Yep. And that's been going on. You know, the last thing they want is you and I to hug, get along, break bread, have our families enjoy time with each other and not get all verklempt over, you know, we need to stop those people over there. I think people are waking up today. I think they're waking up and they're saying, you know, where there's great anger, there's great passion and love. And I think people are just afraid when they see a MAGA hat that, their values that they've worked so hard to achieve, you know, through social justice warriors and things like that is going to be taken away. And it's not that it's that we're trying to get back to values that I think um, are innate and it's up to us think, as individuals to get back to that. I think you made a good point with your other side of the story uh, point, you know, when you're talking about just how, and just in general, not even we mean on, on that topic for sure, but just in general, just, not telling the other side of the story. One thing I had, I, I remember having an epiphany about was um, a lot of us 
voted for Barack Obama just because he was black. You know, a lot of black right. people did that. Right. And they didn't care about anything else, you know. And so I remember even when they would try and say something bad about him, we didn't care. Or people right. didn't care. Right. Yeah. And so now it's funny to hear people say, well, that's not going to matter to his base or it's going to rally his base or how can his base not react to that? It's like, I remember when we was like completely like, it don't matter what he does. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's like, I know. you don't think about the other side. You don't remember when that was you. You don't remember when it was a different president in power and things were trying to be exposed or things were trying to be told about that particular person. Like they like them sipping out of a Flint water cup and saying it's that's fine water. You don't care about that. Yeah. But then you know. So I don't know. So that's why I'm saying that. You well, know, sometimes you got to get stuff from both sides. Well, it's different all over the world. Uh, you know, if you go to Haiti, the, um, the the wonderful people of Haiti, they have a different mindset than the Americans who may be of the same background, uh, race, creed, color, and, and um, religion, and so we can be two of the same people who think so differently that we we can't really sit down and break bread at the same table there will be a fight and half of it will be in creole and french and the other will be in in english but i think the reality is is and for me as somebody who i'm conservative politically but uh personally i'm very liberal uh i when barack obama was voted in as president i said about freaking time you know it's you know, about I time i was excited no, no, no. by that sorry i mean i'm sorry what's that go ahead i didn't mean to cut you off i'm sorry you no, were saying about time I was, okay so the thing i was going to say was what i what i discovered in my um financial reading because like as a black person you're taught to be democratic from the beginning of time you know yeah almost like almost like it's your religion whereas the same you know some families you know like if you're catholic and you're republican it's like that's what you are right so we begin to right. identify with those things the same way we identify with our skin color even though their choices not permanent things are genetic you know and right. so um when i started to realize you know business ownership and reading and things like that i was like well that makes sense to want to have lower taxes right you know things that were republican or would seem conservative starts but they only started to make sense with knowledge though you know what i mean when you're a person that's never going to have a business and you're someone who's and you're in your opposite side when you're someone who you think that even though you don't have a business you learned that that was possible so one day you want to be then it makes sense to support it when you're when you're a person that's never going to be you don't see the sense in supporting it that's why you see people who are like against the corporation because they're always in their mind until they go to the grave they're going to be the employee so they need the corporation to be put in check by the government because that's the only person more powerful than them you know what i'm saying right so, well well, they, they offer something. It's almost like you're dealing with the devil. Oh, you know, here, you, you got this. Pay your taxes. We'll take care of you later. When yeah. you hit 67, 65, we'll take care of you. And that is uh, kind of a deal with the devil because somebody said this once. It's like, I look at how much money I gave in Social Security. Mm -hmm. That would be approximately, and they give a number like a million five, over a lifetime, a full lifetime of work. And they said, if I had invested it properly, I would be able to make $90,000 a year of passive income, yeah. which is taxed at 15%. So it's much lower tax bracket. And then they point out, under Social Security, I get about $36,000 a year. How is that not stealing from me? 
And I have to agree with that. And a lot of people, because of financial illiteracy, they uh, put all their eggs in one basket and hope. And let me tell you, the government has always changed their rules. Every time it's time to pay you you out, they change the rules. I think that's where you say, you know, physical physical conservative is is where the where I felt like the key part of you know the the Republican philosophy as I discovered it being a Democrat, the fiscal conservative part. But what I thought which was what I thought was a little a bit of a uh, a tactic that I that raised an eyebrow was that some people equate fiscal conservative if you drop the fiscal off and just say conservative. They're related to religion, and they don't realize that when someone says I'm a conservative, they mean fiscal conservative. So there's people who, right. like you say, you're, you're you say I'm a conservative, but I'm very liberal, right? That's because you're right. fiscally conservative, but then you're liberal in ways right. and living. So somebody right. when they drop the fiscal off and they just say, say conservative, these people don't even know to worry about the money. That's how you have broke Republicans, but they're sitting here and they support from a religious standpoint, when if you look at how some of them behave, there's no religion involved in some of the way they do things. You know, yeah. it's like. Each side, I think, wants to demonize the others. So as soon as you say you're a Republican, uh, they automatically lump you into, well, you're a racist or you're this or you're whatever. You know, it's you're a Christian. You you don't believe in in freedom of choice. You know, and yeah, I think there's I think there's good stuff on both sides. But I realized as a traditional person was that most people never look. And that's what I think sucks. I think people, I think people who are who consider themselves to be like hardcore Republicans and think that people are like just being lazy and stuff are the people who need like a remit stay broke. They they don't, they haven't had an awakening to understand that yeah. with the right tactics they could become wealthy and pull themselves up by their bootstraps. But in the yeah. situation that they're in, without any knowledge, they they're trying to grab for whatever help they can have while they establish a base to be able to grow. And there's people on this side who look at these people as like evil and stuff. And it's like, but if you knew how to start a business, you'd be all for all of this. So it's like, you know, it's just, yeah. So it it literally falls in your tax bracket and your tax category literally falls into your mindset and your belief system almost. Um, And uh, a friend of mine uh, is very close. Uh, She uh, is a black Democrat, single mother, and lived on Long Island, got, bought her house, and every year she was shocked at how high her real estate taxes would just go up and go up. And she wasn't even list, living on a quarter acre of land in Long Island, and her, her yearly taxes for real estate were $14,000 a year. And she vehemently would argue with me all the time that the reason I'm Democrat is because as a black woman, I know the government has my back. And I said, no, you, is not I said, do you really believe that? I said, to tell me where this happens. So every time she'd get this tax bill at the end of the year, I'd say, stop voting Democrat. I said, you can stand on your own. You're a powerful woman. You make $160,000 a year. Stop giving it to the Democratic Party because they really, they're playing you. They're playing you. I always used to tell her, and I would make a joke out of it because we were good friends. Uh, but it's funny, every time I hear a story of somebody who walked away and the, the walk away movement left the Democratic the Democrat Party and went over to Republicans, they were scared at first because they thought they would be treated a certain way. And people give them hugs, give them love. They're like, welcome, welcome to the side. You know, it's like, um, and even, even Malcolm X said it, you know, be careful, the Democrat Party. Um, 
it's just it's we live in great times. I just wanted to say that because I think this is the great awakening, and I love listening to Candace Owens um, because it's just so refreshing. But I, you know, I also love listening to. Um, I listen to Rachel Maddow because I want to hear the other side too. You know, I yeah, don't I'm, sit I'm here. I'm telling you, some, but you had, sometimes some of the people you got to take with a grain of salt, man. And then some of them are, yeah. Um, yeah. some of them are actors. I'm not saying Candace Owen is, but some of these guys, like I think, like the guy that's on the Blaze, you know, like some of these people are yeah. or some of these people are set up to be your black friend, Brad. You know what I mean? <laughs> some, of yeah. these, some of these people are set up to yeah. be. See, a black guy said it. A black woman said it. So come on, the rest of y'all just need to get on board. You know yeah, what I mean? So like I that, hear you. Sometimes it's like that. Other times, though, they're making good points, but they're making points um, <sighs> sometimes that are free thought points, and then sometimes there are there are a uh, a check attached to some of them points too. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it just has yeah, to be yeah. a blend because, like you said, though, there are things. I think I saw a Candace Owens and Ti uh, interview that they did uh, at one of these black summits and stuff. And so, I mean, like anything else, man, you have to take the bits of pieces that apply. So when she said that we're not supposed to have a victimhood mentality, that's fine. But everybody come over to the Republican Party, I don't think that's also in service of the greater good. Because at the end of the day, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party both have a way they think things should be. And what yep. I never understood about the world or about our government was that why every day when people go there, it's not instead of this is our way we're going to fight for it, this is our way we're going to fight for it. It's not like... Let's look at the avatar common citizen and just say, what is the best way for us to all be living here instead of this, instead of this fight? You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's not the way it works because that doesn't create the drama. It doesn't create, you know? So for me, I always look at politics, to be honest, man. I look at politics a lot of times as the option close in business. You know, we were Woo-hoo. all born in American society and it's like, do you want Republican or do you want Democrat? It's like being sold to you. Like, you know, you go to the car lot and it's like, do you want the red one or the blue one? It's like, mm, I, want, I, I would want the blue one if I bought. It's like I'm already making the buying decision before I've even purchased the car because you've only given me two options. And because you've given me two options, I don't see option C, which is think for myself or you know use whatever both. Like me, I'm the kind of person, I use the best parts of both, to be honest. You know what I mean? Like wow. you said, you were physically conservative, yeah. but you're liberal, right? So I, like I said, I grew up this way. And I, I learned about this side from my financial education. And so I still now, I actually understand, I understand both sets of people. And I'm not independent. I just understand both yeah. sets of people. But I don't blindly follow each side as if I have to pick a side. Mark, Mark, dude, you just laid out something that just, it didn't blow my mind, but it made me go, wait a minute. He is dead on. And that is there are actors out there that are on both sides who have been taught to light fires to get us pissed off, to get us going, well, you know, dude. and, and yeah, you're right. It, well, it's because that black guy on, on CNBC said it. So it must be right. Um, use your head, use your logic. I think logic, logical thinking has been removed from our society. You know, it's like, it's like Henny Penny. The sky is falling. And we don't we we haven't been taught that. Are the emperor's new clothes? They don't teach those parables anymore. The man that we have to listen to. We we should listen to him before we go listen to any news. Who? And who? Man, George Carlin. Go listen to him about the government. Say then that again. Repeat that. You said that. You said George Carlin was your guy. Like he's the yeah. he's the person that gives you the clarity. You know he he has that that clear like uh, he talks yeah. about the absence of 
critical thinking. You know, like you were just saying, logical thinking. The right. absence of critical thinking, man. Sometimes we don't think um, about things. We just listen to stuff and react. Yeah. And social media hasn't made it any better. You know what I mean? Like emotional triggers. Um, that That's And to be honest, I think that that brings it back really to being awakened, man. To being awakened yeah. is not to to blindly react. It's to seek a higher, like, presence a higher way of being to where like you observe the world and then decide to engage in things instead of letting people who have um, high level brain training of psychoreactive uh, triggers trigger right. you with social media I mean like to, to even know that people on Facebook and stuff are building you know algorithms that are intentionally purpose for you to be hooked on to continue to scroll for Instagram and Pinterest to have a little bit of the next picture as you're looking at this picture so that your thumb wants to scroll. They're studying how your brain functions and then programming things with that knowledge in mind and you meanwhile are operating 24, 20, 25, you know, 95% of the time on subconscious brain behavior just <laughs> going with the flow like a zombie and so to be awakened is to truly engage with the world in a way that is, like you said, awake. It's eyes open. It's mind open. It's filtering. It's engaging as desired, not filtering as triggered. You know what I mean? Or engaging as triggered. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're absorbing the wisdom of Mark Sweeney Jackson. <laughs> you just laid it out there. We are being played on both sides. We're being served a dish based on algorithms of what we want to hear. Did you hear that? Play it back again if you want to rehear what Mark just said. George Carlin, yeah, is, is one of my favorites. We have to use our brain. We're being played, folks. And I always say, follow the money. Follow the money. If someone's promoting the hell out of something, pushing it on you, and you're getting angry about it, there's money behind it. Trust me, that's how our politicians operate. All of them, every last one. Yeah, I man. I don't watch the news anymore. I, I just shut it how off. How can you, man? I, 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 look, it's like you said, man. To me, it's about deliberate self-improvement. You know, like, it, I feel like the only reason you should be watching the news is to see how it's about to try and block what you're trying to get done for yourself. That's really all it's really about. Wow. You know what I mean? How is what this person is going to do going to come down and affect what I'm trying to accomplish? That should be your only engagement and to me in what's going on with the news. I want to see if this kind of tax law is going to come down on this investment. I want to see if this kind of um, violent crime or something is going to happen in that neighborhood I'm trying to invest in. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm exactly. trying to move forward on building myself you know and i think that that's that's where the safe space is man and the, the deliberate self-improvement because even for your children right your children or your children's children or your family or your spouse or the people that are interacting with you they can only benefit off of your capacity and the beautiful part yeah. about our minds about the universe about you know god is that he gave us she gave us it gave us the capacity to increase our capacity the ability to read, the ability to try, the ability to experience, the ability to work out, the, the ability to continuously improve after school. Like we go to school, we have the teacher, the teacher shows you, but now that we're adults, now that we can read, we have the ability to say, I want this skill, hammer on it, practice it, acquire, use. I want this skill on top of that skill, hammer on it, acquire, use. And now I'm, I'm consistently adding, you know what I mean, to myself to become the person that is capable of 
like handling my problems or handling whatever I want to accomplish. You know, we rarely look to self-improvement as the solution because we've never been taught that it is one. But when you're awake, man, that is your go-to for things you want and things that you want to stop. You know what I mean? Exactly. Mark, Sweeney, Jackson, you are no longer a Padawan, my friend. You are a Jedi. <laughs> Uh, Thank you, Master Yoda. And, uh, yeah, and I just want to say uh, there's a French self-help guru uh, who, who was out at, at around the same time as Napoleon Hill, and that was Emile Couet. And in French, he used to say, every day, in every way, I keep getting better and better. And I think that is the word to live by. And if you've, if you've gleaned any... Uh, amazing wisdom from Mark today, I would say, is keep bettering yourself. Stop listening to the ridiculousness on TV because it's only there to pull you out of your greatness, to pull you away and get you angry at stuff that's going on. Educate yourself every single day, my friends, and go out and pick up his book. Read me or stay broke. <laughs> read me or stay broke it's on Amazon do we get it directly through you or just go to Amazon uh, you can go to Amazon or you can go to readmeorstaybroke.com uh, a lot of groups who want to buy bulk books for their organizations they go to readmeorstaybroke.com because we have a bundle box yeah. oh. but also on Amazon you can buy uh, your own single copy or you know a gift copy wow read me or stay broke the story of discovery that awakens your financial genius by Mark Jackson. Mark and the, Sweeney and, uh, Jackson. You were speaking about how wonderful the cover is. Man, I had a great, great uh, guy do the cover uh, for me. I think he's, uh, I think he's the uh, art director for the uh, United Negro College Fund. <laughs> that would be moi. But uh, you know, uh, I I get hired to do book covers all the time as a creative director. But there are certain books that stand out in my lexicon and I say everybody's got to get this book because it's genius it's saying something different it's the new business parable for the individual to help them get financially successful um, I back your book and endorse it 100 percent and not just because I did the cover uh, but because uh, you're breaking the mold my friend you're breaking the the template that a lot of have kept a lot of people in poverty generationally you know, I, I have a, although my last name is Hungarian, the side of my family that's Irish, the, yeah, the stereotypes there, drinking, uh, struggling, you know, trying to get ahead financially, I was the first generation to break the mold. And I just want to thank you for helping to, you know, awaken me, you know what I mean? Because there were several steps along my journey where you were a key part of helping me to get where I am now, and I thank you for bringing me, you know, back in to help others, you know what I mean? That's it, what, you know, you uh Pay it, pay it forward, you know what I mean? Thank you for giving oh. me the opportunity to be to other people who you were to me. You're welcome, Mark. You, you know, you're an extraordinary young man, and um, we've had some really great conversations behind the wall uh, on Facebook and in Messenger, um, deep conversations, you know, from financial literacy to conspiracy theories, speculation of what is really going on, uh, race issues and just good plain fun. I send you some jokes once in a while. We have a good <laughs> laugh. Um, but know this, you know, whenever Mark is in town or whenever I'm passing through where he lives, we, we get together, man. We, we get together and we have a bite to eat and just talk. Um, have a lot of fun with it. 
Uh, and you should hang out with Sebastian a little bit more. He he's really getting into this rap history stuff. Like he's <laughs> a, he's educating the hell out of me. Um, you know, Biggie Smalls, brother. Uh, I now know the difference between that West Coast beat <laughs> and the East Coast. Beat. Yeah, do not mock me. <laughs> I'm doing my best, man. <laughs> I see you, man. I see you. Um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting road. Uh, and I'm just I'm just jazzed, man, that you've been on the show today. So Thanks, thank man. you, Mark Sweeney Jackson. Thank you for being on Awakened Nation. I know our audience is gonna love you. Thanks, man. Please reach out and connect with me. I love meeting new people, man. Yes. It's, it's, it's the spice of life. All right. Take care, everybody. See you next week. Thank you so much for being a big part of the Awakened Nation movement. This is how you can help me and our extraordinary guests. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please share it out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let's grow this movement by word of mouth. Our success will be because of you. Thank you and see you next week.